Hello and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes in some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany. And I'm Chris. And this week we are discussing the theme of family in Harry Potter. So to get us started, we want to discuss a quote. And this quote comes from The Prisoner of Azkaban. This quote takes place between Cornelius Fudge and Harry after Harry's run away from the Dursleys after inflating Marge and Fudge finds him at Leaky Cauldron. Ah, you're worrying about the reaction of your aunt and uncle. Well, I won't deny that they are extremely angry, Harry, but they are prepared to take you back next summer as long as you stay at Hogwarts for the Christmas and Easter holidays. I always stay at Hogwarts for the Christmas and Easter holidays, and I don't ever want to go back to Privet Drive. Now, now, I'm sure you'll feel differently once you've calmed down. They are your family, after all, and I'm sure you are fond of each other, very deep down. Right. Yeah, Fudge knows what he's talking about, as per usual. Oh, totally. He's totally competent, and can really have a conversation like this with somebody he has literally just met exactly this does make me wonder because clearly dumbledore's the one who knows that harry needs to stay at perfect drive and i wonder if fudge is under orders or or suggestion by dumbledore to make sure that that's what's going to happen yeah i mean it's possible that he would have even you know already told whoever is the minister of magic about why it's important for Mm. him to be there and whatnot, just for, you know, security. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But as to the theme of tonight's podcast, I think that this is an interesting quote in that it takes the, the kind of wider theme of the books that people in authority positions are not trustworthy and don't often know what they're talking about and shows a really good example of that in the way that Fudge understands family. That just because he's family with the Dursleys, that should be enough for him to be fond of them in a way that is inappropriate knowing the circumstances of of his life. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it's also so realistic because people say things like this. People have Mm. views like this. But your family, so what does that even mean? You know, like, so my grandparents happened to birth this child too? Like, so, you know, it just using but your family as a reason for something is not a reason for something. And when people do that and make excuses in a way or minimize what people are going through, oh, all families have disagreements or, you know, whatever it would be. It's like, no, actual abuse was happening here. And sure, mm. on in this one instance, you know, I mean, obviously abuse was happening first via Marge. But in this instance, Harry was an aggressor in in a sense, but like nobody's asking why, what actually mm. happened. And yeah, just wanting him to go back there instead of actually dealing with any of the actual issues and just assuming that people are fond of each other deep down just because they're blood relatives is foolish at best because that is not how everybody is and you know (laughs) 
<laughs> these books show that. Yeah, at least in this instance, because I- I'm excited to explore this theme because I think that it-, it does have some interesting contradictions on this theme as as you look at different aspects of it. So so why don't we get into our analysis? Yeah, sounds good. Uh, what character did you bring to talk about family in Harry Potter? So I decided I wanted to talk about Sirius Black. Okay. Because I think he has some interesting things going on with his character in terms of how he relates to family in ways in which family is and isn't important to him. Hmm. He starts out as a part of a horrible family, (laughs) the ancient and most noble House of Black. They're super pro-blood status, anti-muggle and all of that, and... Obviously, we, we, we see his mother's painting and mm. how horrific that is. And so he runs away at age, I think it was 16, to live with James and the Potters. And his mom's reaction to this is to burn him off the family tree tapestry. Mm-hmm. Then... He gets to live with James, but then not too long after that, basically his his new family dies. And, and we don't really mm. know what happened to James's parents, but they're definitely not alive when James is murdered. You know, Harry maybe could have gone to stay with them. I mean, they wouldn't have the same, like, blood protection thing via the mom, whatever, but, like, they still didn't seem to be in the picture or in the conversation at all. Mm-hmm. So now Sirius has lost, but also purposefully so, his his original family and then the new family he finds and is actually happy with. They're all taken away from him. Mm. But at that moment, instead of choosing to prioritize Harry and be a good godfather and be family to him after Harry's also just lost his family... Mm-hmm. he prioritizes revenge and, and goes to kill Pettigrew. If he hadn't chosen vengeance, he wouldn't have had to go to Azkaban. He wouldn't, Harry wouldn't have had to go live with the Dursleys and be abused by them for over a decade. And so at this time, like he, he doesn't choose family that he had promised to Lily and James to be to Harry. Then once he breaks out of Azkaban, he doesn't go to find Harry then either. You know, he doesn't even go to find Dumbledore and like try to explain the situation and be like, Mm -hmm. so one of your other students, I saw him in the paper, he has Pettigrew as his rat. (laughs) Like, why don't we do something about this? Give me some veritaserum. We're magic. We can figure out ways that this should... Was I ever on trial? Yeah, exactly. Dumbledore, I know you're probably not a fan of this either. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, he doesn't do that. He's he's so obsessed with murdering Pettigrew, again, <laughs> that he doesn't even care about doing that in front of three 13-year-olds, mm-hmm. one of which he is the godfather of and whose best friend he is seriously injured in the process. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it just, it, it gets complicated because he was happy at first with the prospect of, of Harry actually being able to come to live with him. And so that falls through, but he keeps up with writing letters and sometimes flu calling and, and whatnot. And 
there are some moments when he really does support Harry in meaningful and important ways. But then there are also several times that he is really irresponsible and encourages Harry to be reckless, which a good parent shouldn't do. And also, you know, spitefully, in a way, like tries to hurt Harry by saying he's not like James because he doesn't mm-hmm. want to be reckless, which, again, no good parent should do. And, and in several instances, Harry has to be the one who's trying to be the responsible one and he's the kid you know at other times instead of like setting a good example for harry he continues to bully one of harry's professors and he treats creature yeah as a slave and these are not setting good examples and so ultimately his own desire to not feel useless leads him to risk his life and his own even desire just to like bicker with his cousin instead of concentrating on dueling Mm -hmm. leads to his death and in doing those things like he wasn't thinking about what this would do to harry if he died and so yeah it's just it it's complicated because i think he does want to be a godfather to harry in certain ways but in other ways he just wants to have james back Mm. he was 21 when he went in to Azkaban and it just seems like he didn't mature anything since mm-hmm. that age. And like, understandably, he's also been in Azkaban, you know, like this is a bad place to be. That's just incredibly unhealthy. But this person who he should have been family to, who he committed to being family to, mm-hmm. he actually puts him in uncomfortable or inappropriate positions even when, yeah, he, like, calls him James once, and it's just, like, what is Harry supposed to do with that? You know, he's not his dad. He didn't even know his dad. Mm -hmm. And I do have some compassion for him because of what he went through, but I feel like he just chooses himself over his family, and I don't think that necessarily family should be the pinnacle of what we should always choose and always prioritize, but especially when you're the adult, (laughs) <laughs> there's mm-hmm. a kid uh it's it's a different situation yeah i just i also kind of wonder what would have potentially been different if he had been a better older brother to regulus mm. because he was older than regulus by i think at least two years mm-hmm. obviously the home they grew up in was bad but he didn't like he just left he ran away and he left this what 13 14 year old kid there by himself yeah could he have helped regulus never join the death eaters could he have gotten on better terms with creature through regulus that could have changed everything that could have saved all their lives yeah i I think in some ways it's very difficult because i think if, if he was the only kid or if he was a younger sibling like yeah just get out of that house it's terrible but like you left your brother I don't know. What what does that mean? It's just interesting to see that his mom so easily and quickly cast him aside. But he also did that to his family. Mm -hmm. And it's also interesting after his death that there's no real family response. uh, Because obviously Bellatrix killed him. So Mm -hmm. she's happy about it. 
Narcissa makes some type of snide comment about his death to Harry in book six. And, you know, Andromeda and, and Tonks, they wouldn't really even have been able to do anything public, at least, because officially he's still a Death Eater on the books. Mm. So, yeah, just, I guess it's it's tragically fitting in a way that... There is no real acknowledgments. There is no gathering. There is no family commiseration and support around his death because he didn't really have that relationship with anyone. Yeah. Yeah, Sirius really is a fascinating character, especially through this theme, you know, for all, all the reasons you mentioned. And he kind of takes on this uh, archetype of, of, you know, the charming rogue who doesn't really care about authority and and is charismatic and all these other kinds of things but he also shows the underside of those types of characters who when you are not tied to people outside of those who you have those that fierce loyalty to when you basically turn your back on systems whether that be a family or, or what have you it isolates you in so many ways and at the end, that shows the isolation that, that Sirius was living under. And and I think it's important, to, as you did mention, to, to recognize that he was himself in an abusive situation uh, as mm -hmm. a child. I can't fault any person who chooses to leave a situation like that. While I also recognize that I'm an older sibling myself, as well as I have older siblings, and so the, the idea of wanting to be there for your younger siblings through the hard times and to ensure that they themselves are not facing abuse and all that other kinds of things, that that does ring as really important to me, and, and we don't see much of him grappling with it. We, we kind of hear him talk about how Regulus was a Death Eater and gotten himself killed in that in a, like, he's not happy about it but he see he more writes off regulus as like stupid for having bought the line that his family was was selling mm -hmm. i think that there is an element there I, I i would hope that there's an element there of regret or failure in at least his internal workings because maybe he could have done more and and that doesn't mean that he's necessarily at fault yeah absolutely but i think that unfortunately whether it's fair or not and maybe this is this is my own bias, but I think that being an older sibling in particular, but really a sibling at all, especially as you grow older, it, it could come with a responsibility to your siblings, particularly if that relationship itself is not abusive, because um, that, that's possible yeah. as well. Well, and it, it isn't fair, right? Because it's not like he asked to be born. It's not like he asked to be in this family. He didn't ask to have a younger brother. You know, he, none of those were his choices, but also yeah. like... He does seem like somebody who would just write off Regulus mm -hmm. rather than like trying to talk with him. Even, you know, if he's seen these problematic views coming out mm -hmm. of him, talking with him about it, you know, like he was still a kid at the time and people can change their views. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just. It's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it's very complicated. And, and that, yeah, that's why I find it really compelling. And I think that that also does highlight, you know, what you mentioned about how he, he chose the responsibility of being a godfather first and then being mm -hmm. in Harry's life the way that he is, at least end of book three to book through book five. And his missteps in that relationship, I think, are even more dire because he did choose that relationship. And he also 
he was filling a a gap and a need in Harry's life that no one else could do. Harry, by the end of book three, he had developed his relationships with so many other characters, but Sirius is the first person who really connected back to his family in a way that he found, I think, really important. I guess Lupin would have as well, but for whatever reason, Lupin never had Harry move in with him. Um, (laughs) Well, I mean, he also was a werewolf, so it's a little more complicated. Of course, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but I I just, I feel like, uh, I understand why Sirius was so immediately and so powerfully important to Harry, but I think that that also puts into starker relief how he could not be a father figure. He was at best a irresponsible Irresponsible uncle. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The cool uncle who comes around on Christmas and (laughs) gives you a a wine cooler under the table or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have personal experience with this? Uh, More my cousins than my uncles, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, like I understand mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And Azkaban happened to him. Mm-hmm. Did he take the right steps to make sure that that wouldn't happen? Like going to Dumbledore as soon as he knew that Pettigrew betrayed them? No, mm. he didn't. But it still was not his fault that he didn't get a fair t- trial. It still was not mm-hmm. his fault that he was wrongfully imprisoned. And that would severely mess with the person. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's sad it is. It's really sad. And and I really empathize with Sirius, especially now as I've grown older, as I've grappled with my own adulthood and what responsibilities that entails. Sirius was 21 when he was put into jail. He was in jail for 13 years and then he comes out and all of a sudden he's got a lot more responsibility as well as still many threats and, and these other kinds of things that keep him marginalized. And yeah, that's something that I, I can I can see how Sirius doesn't always make the right decisions, but I also really empathize with the pressures that he's put under. Yeah, yeah. But that actually is a good transition into what my plot is, because just like Sirius, I think that it's really interesting to look how in the series, Harry is claimed by so many different people as family after being othered by his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, his orphaning as a, as a one-year-old and then him being put with the, the Dursleys, those 10 years he spends with them is him being rejected throughout. It is them literally hiding him in a cupboard uh, and yeah. refusing to acknowledge parts of his identity that exists and the truth of his parents' deaths and all these other kinds of things. And really, truly trying to minimalize his existence as much as they possibly can. And yet, as soon as he starts meeting other people in the magical community, so many people try to, in some way, kind of build a familial relationship with him. I mean, Hagrid shows up to welcome him into the the wizarding world, telling him that he's a wizard with a birthday cake. The first time he's really been celebrated, which is something that typically you, as as a child, your family is the one who does. And Hagrid's the one who not only is representing this new magical realm of possibility, but that he has family there. 
and that he's accepted and, and, and appreciated and loved there. And I think that Hagrid himself, like Sirius, has a lot of, of issues with responsibility and things like that. Um, <laughs> another cool uncle. <laughs> another cool uncle who was orphaned. And uh, yeah. I think that, that, that that's interesting, seeing Hagrid and later Sirius as both people who kind of see him as someone who there's a lot of similarity with and who they invite to be a part of their lives in really powerful ways and and at times really you know are there to be relied upon when they can be but also rely on harry in many ways and hagrid in particular does that a, a yeah. lot when he's when he's in trouble he turns to harry yeah which is obviously problematic <laughs> yeah yeah but i think also for someone who who had the childhood that harry had is powerful in a, in a lot of ways as well we talked a lot about Sirius, obviously, who who does the same. I'd even say that that Dumbledore um, kind of takes on a, a a grandfatherly role in a lot of ways, and particularly if you look at the ways that they they talk in the Cursed Child, there's a lot of explicit love there that mm. I think is also really interesting. The but grandfather, the, the... instead of seeing one time a year for Christmas, you see one time a year right after something traumatic happens slash finals. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the one time a year in the hospital wing or Dumbledore's <laughs> office, <laughs> you get to have this long chat with him. <laughs> um, but then, of course, there's there's the Weasleys. And the Weasleys, I think, are, are just such an interesting example of this. And for me, frankly, they're really compelling because I really see a lot of, of the way that my family operates in the Weasleys because the Weasleys have a billion children already and they are not well off. They, without questioning it, they bring Harry in to their family. And this is something that already would probably stretch their, their, their low means, but also stretch their resources in just how much love and time they can give to their children they're also giving some of that time to this other child who needs it and mm -hmm. that's something that that my family has also really really done in ways that I, I admire and have touched me when my mom was growing up she was the youngest of 12 kids many of which had moved out by the time she was born but you know, she grew up in a poor family, an uneducated family. She was the first to graduate high school of any of her siblings or her parents. Mm -hmm. And when she was growing up, her mother, my grandmother, would always be welcoming whatever kids off the street were coming in with all of her children. You know, whoever they brought in, they'd get a plate of food or whatever they need. And and that's that's really amazing and, and kind of really mm -hmm. brings in that class aspect of the Weasleys show. Even my own family, after after my family was evicted, I have talked in the past how, you know, I had a pretty middle-class upbringing, but after the 2008 recession, things went bad. And my family got evicted from our house and we were separated. And at one point, one of my friends basically lost her housing and my mom took her in. She took her in in my sister's empty room while she was up at college and most of the time re refused to take the rent and it's just something that I really really admire in the Weasleys having seen how powerful that's been in the people it's affected in, in my life. I think it's really interesting when you look at it through that that class aspect because for many marginalized communities including those who are economically marginalized family I think becomes one of the institutions that take up the slack that the rest of society fails to provide. And mm -hmm. so when you can't rely on a government that is going to 
honor your personhood and respect you in that way, when you can't rely on an economic system that's going to treat you in a way that, that gives you a living wage, all these other kinds of things, you rely on each other. And you expand your family, oftentimes physically. You know, historically people have done that because it means that there's that means there's more earners for a family uh, when you have more children. It means but, you can plow the land. Exactly. You got you've got more workers during the <laughs> harvest. <laughs> but it also, you know, this kind of adopting people in is a way of having more folks that you can rely on and who can rely on you and and understanding even subconsciously that that giving in this way to those who need it is is a an important act in building a wider community and i really think that that's something the weasleys have in a uh, honest and genuine way that i i just really admire mm, yeah i agree and so that's one of the reasons why i think that it would be particularly fascinating if harry would have accepted Draco's petition for friendship. What would it have been like if instead of being quasi-adopted into the Weasleys, the Malfoy family was the one that showed him what wizarding families could be like? I imagine he wouldn't be getting a sweater uh, <laughs> with his initials on it. Oh no, he'd be cold at winter time. <laughs> no, he'd just have a thousand galleon like cloak. <laughs> Exactly. That is extremely uncomfortable, but looks real good. (laughs) (laughs) It would be fascinating, though. The question would be, what would Lucius do? Mm. He loves status, and Mm -hmm. the wizarding world loves Harry Potter. And what better way to show the wizarding world, see, I told you we were never Death Eaters. Like, Mm -hmm. it was imperious. So, and there's all the rumors of, you know, them saying, oh, maybe Potter will be the new Dark Lord since he was more powerful or whatever. Uh, totally. So yeah, and then, they, they you know, if he was be... friends with Draco, he wouldn't have been like not Slytherin, not Slytherin, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it'd be like, look at this Slytherin boy who can speak to snakes. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> but that relationship... It would be really fascinating to see how sincere that is, because there would absolutely, especially from someone like Lucius, be an element of status involved and and, and all of that. But we do see Narcissa at the end choosing family over duty to Voldemort. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if Harry was around enough, would he be welcomed into a family setting, even his family as, as problematic and, and <laughs> difficult and elitist and, and racist as, as the Malfoys? It would be very interesting because, I mean, there's a lot of things I really admire about Harry, but one of them is he didn't really seem to have any friends because mm-hmm. Dudley saw to that. So the main people he's interacting with who are muggles are his abusive family mm-hmm. and even with that as soon as anti-muggle ideas come out in in a way that's very clear for him to see because there was stuff even in the first book or stuff that we see from characters on the quote good side but when it's made explicit to him he is so quick to just be like that's wrong and denounce mm-hmm. it so it would be very interesting to see what that would be like in, in interactions with um, Absolutely. the Malfoys. Yeah. I think, I think the main reason he does start to dislike Draco is because he makes fun of Hagrid. And, and as mentioned before, mm-hmm. Hagrid is the first person to, to treat Harry with love and compassion. And 
someone bad-mouthing him is it does provoke that i think compassionate reaction there in in harry well also is because his privileged attitude reminded him of dudley and he was like "Mm, yeah yeah i should get a broom at hogwarts (laughs) (laughs) i i'm also now just imagining i'm sure this uh this fan fiction exists but if snape instead of hagrid came to pick up harry (laughs) Not only what that would mean for his later relationship with Draco and the way he gets introduced to the Wizarding World and all these other kinds of things, but just the encounter between him and Petunia would be (laughs) really, really interesting. (laughs) That would be fascinating. Yeah. But we should probably move into our compelling questions. So what question did you have for me? So my question for you is, what characters do you think are most affected by their families and why? interesting question i think sirius is a a clear example of this Mm -hmm. and ron we haven't talked much about but i think ron is also clearly impacted by his family being one of the youngest having older brothers that he looks up to and that he himself seems to have as his major friends before he entered hogwarts we don't hear of him knowing any other boys from town or anything like that or girls from town or anything like that he he He's friends with his siblings. So I think that Harry comes in as a strong character from the start. He is a compassionate, giving person, and he doesn't change too much. He grows, but he doesn't change too much over the series. Ron, we really see kind of build himself at Hogwarts because it's the first time that he's away from a family that has been so integral to his life. And I think that that freedom and that environment where he can build his own relationships and his own desires and his own goals It's something I've never thought of before, but I can imagine a really interesting analysis of Ron's journey through Hogwarts because it's it's similar to the way that a lot of people feel when they go to college, where it's like they can they can start building their personality in a way that they haven't always had the opportunity to before. Um, And I think a lot of that is because of, of his family dynamic before he enters Hogwarts. Yeah, totally. Well, and you can look at both his and Harry's mirror of Erised moment. Mm-hmm. Both of them are incredibly informed by their family. One you didn't have, and then the other, all of these impressive accolades that have been placed on people that came before you. And, well, what's going to make me special? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the only other character who's really coming to mind right now is Neville. Mm-hmm. And Neville's mm-hmm. anxiety and Neville's lack of confidence that come from living in a a family that I think was loving, but also was really affected by the torture of his parents. And he is as well. Uh, I do love that scene in Mungo's where he is there with his family. He takes the the wrapper from his mom and he smiles and and it's just a uh, great scene to learn more about Neville as a character and what ha- all the things that have kind of helped lead him to where he is. And it's also, you know, similar to, to what we're talking about with Ron, I think the DA for him is where he starts to become more of himself and able to exit the shadow that his family's cast over him. Well, and after his wand breaks, it's yeah. the first time he gets to get a wand his own. It's exactly. not his dad's. Yeah, it's it's a it's and that that I think is a a physical manifestation of this way that 
he is expected to fill the silhouette of his family, of his his parents in particular, mm-hmm. and not given his own identity. And once he starts to really reach into that and he gets represented through his own wand, he becomes just awesome. <laughs> just very, very cool. <laughs> yeah, yep. absolutely. What characters were you thinking of? I was definitely thinking about Draco because mm. I think he is extremely influenced by his family, obviously yeah. with their bigoted views and their status and their family history and is taught to value these things, is taught that this is the height of importance. And I empathize with that, not because of those things specifically, but, you know, I was a homophobic kid because I was taught to be one. Hmm. It was really only in my teens when somebody that I was close to told me that they were bi that I was like, oh, well, they're the same person they've always been, so why exactly is this supposed to be wrong again? You know, because it's just like, oh, you, you, you hear these things, you're told, and you just aren't critically analyzing them. Mm-hmm. And once I started to actually critically think about it, I was just like, how could it be wrong to like somebody who has the same genitals as you? Like, it just makes no sense. And so I empathize with with Draco in how wrong he was because he was taught to be wrong. But in the end, he sees firsthand how destructive his family's perspectives and so-called values are. And chooses to save Harry so that he can stop the man who wants to institute these anti-muggle perspectives. Mm. And we don't get a ton of information after that about other different ways that he's potentially changed and whatnot. But if Scorpius is anything to go by, he's (laughs) a delight. (laughs) And doesn't seem to be throwing mudblood words around and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it very much seems like he did choose to change, Mm. but was for so long so affected by his family and also the whole reason of of wanting to try to kill Dumbledore and everything is because of his family. um, Yeah. That they were going to be tortured and killed. And so, yeah, he's definitely somebody that comes to mind. Yeah. Also, earlier we are talking about how his his dad in particular would see Harry's friendship with him as something that they could utilize. And that kind of utilitarian look at relationships is also something that Draco continues to have in ways I think that are really destructive for him. We don't mm. see him have real friendships yeah. until Moaning Myrtle. Yeah. And... You know, I can't imagine he invites Crab and Goyle over for sleepovers when he's, <laughs> you know, home for the summers because he wants to spend time with them in yeah. this kind of private lair. When he doesn't have use for them, I don't know if they have a strong relationship or if they have any relationship that's not this kind of utilitarian one. And that's why his relationship with Myrtle, I think, is so interesting in that he shows emotion to her in a way that he doesn't show to anyone else. And and he doesn't have complete control over probably because he doesn't have a lot of practice doing it in safe environments. And yeah, yeah, that has to come from something that he learned from his family as well. Well, and also you just see, like, I saw this post a little bit ago that just had little gifts 
probably like six or something like all just right next to each other and they're all like moments i mean obviously from the movies because they're gifts but of draco and his dad just seeing them all next to each other was just like oh wow the abuse here is clear he is scared of his dad and that is not a good sign yeah just seeing the ways and and you get little snippets of that in the book too just when harry's eavesdropping on things but i think in the movie it was able to be so much more visual and those things were like clearly put in for Mm -hmm. yeah his his dad being violent or aggressive and demeaning and all these different things to him which would have a big effect on you as well totally yeah especially his dad in the movies who is someone who when harry frees dobby has no compunction about casting the killing curse against a 12 year old in the (gasps) middle of a school oh my god yeah yeah there there's that (laughs) like right outside dumbledore's office exactly (laughs) oh my god that's terrifying like it's really (laughs) just like a 12 year old (laughs) oh wow yeah that's that's really bad it doesn't get much worse than that i mean and also is like oh i guess i'm gonna let voldemort force my kid to torture people or be tortured himself Mm -hmm. great yeah 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 father of the year Lastly, I think uh, a character that would be remiss not to mention is Tom Riddle. Ah, yes. Is extremely affected by his family. I mean, first of all, he hated his father so much that he wanted to get rid of muggles altogether. Mm. And he changed his name. He murdered his father. Also, at the same time, he elevates the gaunt side of his family Mm -hmm. to himself because it's the magic side and takes up this idea of being Slytherin's heir and continuing Slytherin's noble anti-muggle work, right? And yeah, he elevates his mom's side even though his mom's side was not good and what his mother did was not good and his mom wasn't even very good at magic at least that we know i mean she's so abused and traumatized Mm -hmm. we're not sure if she just didn't have as much ability or whether psychologically those things just affected her in a way where she couldn't have control over it Mm -hmm. but he just glossed over the things that he didn't want to see and for his dad didn't necessarily handle everything and maybe the ideal way but how do you handle something an ideal way when you've been raped and Mm -hmm. forced to be in a relationship with someone without your knowledge and then when you wake up from it you're like i have nothing to do with this you know these were your choices i'm out of here you know like obviously how how would you not do that but he had no compassion for his father you know and so i think he's so affected by his family but like not in the ways that would necessarily make sense for what actually happened and it's just kind of ironic that he hates his father so much but he spends the whole rest of his life being defined 
by his dad, by something that he claims is inferior to him. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting too because he also pins his father's death on his uncle and Hmm. clearly doesn't have any actual loyalty to the Gaunt side or to the people of the Gaunt side, where if he's fine with Morphin going to Azkaban for this crime that he probably could have blamed on someone else, but I think that it shows that there is no element of I need to uplift the Gaunt side into our status. It's into my status. It's always still individual individualistic mm-hmm. and and yet obsessive with what's happened in the past and how that reflects on his own idea of his identity, the identity that he wants to put out into the world in, in these different ways. Yeah, I think that's that's really fascinating. Oh, Tommy. Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. We would both just get the killing curse right now for that. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Even maybe from Lucius. <laughs> well, what is your question for me? Uh, one of the things that is, I think, one of the most interesting aspects of familial relationships is the divide and often conflict that can occur across generations. And we have three or more generations at times kind of interacting with one another, things can be issues. And so I I was wondering when you see those kinds of generational divides, either between parents and children or grandparents and and grandchildren or or anything like that, impact the story of Harry Potter. But this episode has clearly run quite a long time, and so we are going to make this a two-parter. This only happens when we talk about Harry Potter. (laughs) That's true, that's true. Clearly we've got a lot to say. So next week, we will return with the latter half of this analysis of family in Harry Potter. We are looking forward to having you hear all the other great things that we talk about. We want to thank you so much for listening to this week's first half. You can find more information about the podcast as well as links to our social media and our website in the episode description. You can also go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines if you want to join the illustrious ranks of our patrons who help to keep the show sustainable and also get access to a lot of really great fun perks. So illustrious. So illustrious. <laughs> we want to thank Kimberly Taylor Pestel at Lacelet for designing our logos. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. And I would highly recommend you check out her holiday cards, as well as her great Harry Potter designs if you're looking for cards or gifts for people this holiday season. Links to her designs will also be in our episode description. We'll be back next week with the second part of this discussion. Until then, geek out!